If you don't ask, they can't say yes. They can't cheer you on or say yes, you're the best. They can't hang a medal around your neck. If you don't ask, they can't say yes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Maxwell Ivy, known around the world as the Blind Blogger. And this is another episode of What's Your Excuse? My podcast where I help you overcome the excuses that are holding you back by interviewing, by introducing you to people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances, those who have started a new unusual business out on their own, those who have world-tested advice to help you succeed, and people who I just find interesting and inspiring personally. Because one thing I've learned is those of us who inspire others have to constantly be inspired as well. You can find the podcast at theblindblogger.net. You can also just tell Alexa or Siri or Google to play What's Your Excuse? Um, And before I forget, I do want to mention that we are sponsored this week by the great people at Blueberry. Uh, you can head over, head over to blueberry.com, and when this goes live, I will have an affiliate link for those of you considering starting a podcast who need some hosting services because not only are they great to work with, their podcast player is totally accessible so that people like me and my guests can listen to your show. Um, so hope you will visit theblindblogger.net and blueberry.com. So today, I have an interesting guest for a couple reasons. One... Uh, She is a blind woman who is an adventurer, a snowboarder, stand-up paddleboarder, kayaker, rock climber, just began with yoga, has always been into physical fitness. Her goal is to make snowboarding for the blind a Paralympic event at at the next Olympics. And I certainly hope that we can do what we can to support her and to to help bring the momentum, you know, the grassroots movement to get her event added, as well as some other winter sports events in the Paralympics. And the other reason why my guest is also uh, very interesting to me is she is the first one with the courage, I'm going to use the big kids word, the courage <laughs> to decide to be part of the What's Your Excuse Network and to put her podcast future in my hands and let me, the blind blogger, help her launch her own show. So. Her name is Emily Trepanier, and she's been coaching me on her name for a couple of weeks now. Um, she's also accompanied on her adventures by a, a various group of coaches and mentors, a supportive family, and a dog named Darlene, Darling, who is a dog after my own heart, who I can't wait to meet, too. So y'all can find Emily Trepanier at Team Starfish, and we're going to ask her where the starfish comes from. I'll let her tell that story. You can find her at Team Starfish on Facebook or Twitter. So, Emily, thank you, and welcome to What's Your Excuse? Thank you. So happy to be here. (laughs) I didn't screw up too badly on the introduction, did I? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. You're getting better with my last name, though. I'm getting better? Good. I'm just going to call you Emily, just like a few months back. Emily or Emily? Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, a few months back, I had a guest. We just agreed that I would call her A because I couldn't pronounce her first or her last name. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> okay. So, so since it's since it's there, let's first start with uh, you know what your vision level is and how your vision loss occurred. Um. So I was actually born totally blind. Um. And. At the age of two, my mom noticed that I was only staring at lights. And I wouldn't stare at anything else, but I had, I loved staring at anything that, that had lights on it. Um, so she went to her doctor and, was, and told them this. And at first, they actually didn't believe her. Um, at first, they thought... Um, cause at that time I had started losing some weight and they called it failure to thrive, um, from what my mom has told me. So they ended up, um, running a whole bunch of tests and it took some time for the tests to be run. And at the end, they realized that I was indeed... Um, legally blind. I have underdeveloped optic nerves, so they didn't develop properly when I was born, and it took some time for them to develop. Um, so at the age of two, they still hadn't properly developed, and it took some time for them to develop. Um, I ended up gaining a bunch of sight in my right eye and some sight in my left eye um my right eye is the stronger of both eyes uh and I started wearing glasses when I was five years old was when I first got my first pair of glasses and then other eye conditions started to like um started to come up I have astigmatism in both of my eyes so that's like the eyes shake around and it's harder for them to focus. So that's one of the reasons why I have glasses because they help. Um, there's like a muscle relaxant in the lens part of my glasses. So it helps them to calm down and relax a little bit. Um, my Because my left eye is weaker, um, I had gained a bunch of sight in both eyes and then with my left eye being the weaker eye um, and my astigmatism really starting to like uh, increase, I ended up losing a bunch of vision in my left eye just because it's so much that like, it's the, it's the weaker of the two eyes. So it makes it really hard for it to focus. So it's not, it, there's some vision in that eye still, but it's not really usable because it just moves around way too much and they can't just they, they can't I'm at like this maximum amount of um, muscle relaxant lens in my glasses so they can't like add any more to make it any better so but I have close-up vision in my right eye with glasses on um, I don't see far distances and then if I'm not wearing my glasses um, it's literally just a blur of colors. I might be able to make it out, may, might be able to make it out if it's like a really huge object and it's like right, right at my eyes. 
but otherwise without glasses it's just a whole blur blur of colors so okay so for some yeah well you know what happens and, but so for so for uh so explain this to me then how does somebody who has such uh so little vision how does somebody get into sports like downhill snowboard racing how did that happen <laughs> So growing up, I, my parents always said, if I wanted to do something, we would be doing it. So right from like a young age, if I wanted to do something, um, my mom and my dad always encouraged me to do it, what I wanted to do. So when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a part of the basketball team in elementary school. Um, and so my mom and dad were like, yeah, go ahead try out for the basketball team and see how it goes. Um, so I did. Um, and I actually ended up being on the basketball team and traveling to a bunch of basketball games. And actually, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't like the highest scorer on the team, but I did end up scoring a few baskets. So that was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, my parents have always, from like a young age, they never discluded me in anything. If I wanted to participate in anything, they were like, um, let's just figure out a way to make that happen. So I guess like I kind of, as I grew older, um, that I kind of like adopted that, I guess, as like what I, what, how I was going to like attack things. So, yeah, um, so, so you grew up around people who found solutions, solutions finders. Right. Exactly. Creative yeah. people, people with a positive yes. mindset. So that yeah. translated. And, you. So, but how do you pick snowboarding? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, in elementary school, um, so I went to the school for the blind, and it was a residential school in Ontario because I'm actually originally from Ontario. Um, so I went to the school for the blind in Ontario and met up with a best friend of mine who's still a best friend of mine. Um, she had been part of a program called the Kitchener Track 3 program since the age of four. Um, and basically what that is, it's a program that teaches people with disabilities how to ski and snowboard. Um, she started with the program at the age of four and was still in the program when we were going to school together. She was telling me about it and invited me out to come check it out one night. So I'm like, okay, yeah, let's check it out. Why not? Um, so went out and checked it out, fell in love with it. And then the next season, um, I started I started in the Learn to Ski program with the program. And so much fun, lots of fun. Um and then, so my best friend, who's also in that program, um, was snowboarding, was taking snowboarding lessons at the time, and she had two guides. And so the one night we were, I was, we were there, and um, unfortunately, my, my one guide who I had ended up getting injured, so she could no longer guide me. And so my best, one of my best friend's guides was like, well, do you want to try out snowboarding? I'm like, sure let's try it out what, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong so we tried it out and i was hooked i fell in love with snowboarding 
it oh, scared so my mom and it scared all of my family to death at first, but now they're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so first, um, explain to people what things, what devices were used so you could ski. How did, how did, how did, because I've only been skiing once and my experience was not, uh, was not really ro- a robust experience. But so explain to people how, how skiing works when you can't see. Okay, so in the very beginning, um, I always had two guides with me when I was skiing. And so that way, the one guide could be guiding me down the hill, and the other one was sort of responsible for making sure people weren't going to crash into me, because sometimes on the hill, uh, there are crazy people who don't know what they're doing, and so their job was just to make sure that no one like ran into me and <laughs> ran over me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's okay. Okay. So you had, a, <laughs> you had, you had, you had, you had, you had ski guides to make sure that you could ski safely. Yeah. Was there any, was there any special equipment or did you just use what everybody else uses? Um, so in the beginning it was, we didn't have headsets in the beginning, so they had to, like, literally yell the guiding, like, they were always with me, but they literally had to, like, yell where to go and stuff, and um, we also use um, bright neon orange vests that say blind skier and blind guide on it. We're good. Go ahead. Um, uh, so they said blind skier and blind guide on them. So I would obviously wear the blind skier one and they would obviously wear the blind guide one. That way people around me could see that I was blind. So hopefully they would stay farther away from us and not crash into us. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works most of the time, but there are still those people out there that will, that, come up to us close. I've actually ran over people so okay all right well <laughs> to, those, to those to those people on the slopes that Emily Trippinier has has creamed into apologize. we apologize I didn't see them. <laughs> yeah and and if and if y'all are hearing this and you ran into Emily on the snow on the slopes then you know reach out and say hey you know <laughs> yeah so that was what we used in the very beginning when I first started skiing um, it was limited to what we used because it was just kind of like trial and error to figure out what was going on. Um, we quickly realized um, that the snow was really, really loud. And so at points, I actually couldn't hear my guide and what they were trying to tell me. So there were a few times where my guide would be trying to say something and I wouldn't hear them. So I would either crash into something or if I didn't hear them, I would just stop and that was kind of what we that was kind of what we did um that was kind of what we had chatted about um if I can't hear them stop immediately and then they'll know that I can't hear them so that's kind of what we did in the very beginning and there were a few times where I crashed into a few fences which was exciting but I'm still alive (laughs) and then we started researching um 
we started researching um, different ways to like communicate on the hill because it was evident that we needed something because it was the snow gets really loud sometimes and it's really hard to hear. And we came across headsets. Um, came across the headsets. Um, and so we trialed our first trial with headsets didn't go exactly the way we were hoping it was going to go. The headsets didn't really fit in the helmet or anything. So um, it, it, they just weren't gonna work. Um, so I ended up reaching out to one of the racing, uh, the adaptive racing groups in Ontario um, to see what they were using. And they recommended another set of headsets um and they highly came they came highly recommended to try those out because they had used them with lots of great success and they knew a lot of people that were using them with lots of great success so we reached out to the company and ended up getting a few pair of those headsets and tried them out and they actually work really really good um they fit underneath my helmet. They fit underneath my guide's helmet. So we were able to use them and it's, they were two-way headset. So we could talk back and forth on the hill while we were going down. And as long as we were on the same channel, um, it, 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 they seemed to really work really well. So um, the group that I was a part of the track three program ended up getting a bunch of them. And then I ended up getting a pair of my own headsets so I could have them all the time. So I was at the time I was doing more, I was doing more than, I was doing more like sessions on the hill versus just outside of like the program as well. So I wanted to have my own pair. Are, are those the kind that you're, are those the kind you're using now? Um, no, um, unfortunately not. Um, they ended up breaking a few years ago, two years ago, actually. So um and I went to go get I went to go order some more and they ended up discontinuing that one so we had to find a new set of headsets yeah I see so and of course you know it's a personal thing they have to fit in the helmet they have to be yeah. comfortable they have to, have to be where you can use them easily without having yeah. to think about using yeah. them while you're skiing and snowboarding and stuff so uh so which which brand are you currently using so, so I am currently using the Euclear helmet headsets. And who makes those? Euclear. U-C-L-E-A-R. Oh. Okay. I wasn't aware that that was a brand. It sounded more like a model name to me. I'm sorry. Oh, no. That's a brand. That's the okay. brand. The so brand Euclear. Euclear. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, and what was the name of the organization that um, helped you get your headphones before these? Um, the headset, the headsets that we had before were called EarTech. No, I'm I'm at the name of the organization that you reached out to who, who suggested. Oh, the Ski Hawks. They the ski were Hawks. very yeah. Okay. I just like to mention organizations mm -hmm. and For if, sure. when I can, you know, because you know, as when we do when I do these interviews, I'm not just hoping to, you know, to share the. Uh, experience and life lessons from the guests. I'm hoping to learn some right. things for myself, but I also like supporting uh, people who are doing good work, whether that be a nonprofit organization or mm -hmm. a manufacturer, like in the case of Euclear. So 
Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to get all that straight and uh, glad we got them out there. And I will add a uh, link to the uh, to the Ski Hawks when this goes out. So For y'all sure. can, I can, send y'all can connect with well. them and, and find out what they're up to and mm-hmm. uh, and go and go from there. But of course, you'll want to visit uh, Emily's uh, Facebook page at, at uh, Team Starfish and same on Twitter. So you use these helmets to communicate back and forth with your with your guide and yep. you know the helmets have changed but the process hasn't changed so mm-hmm. uh does it take a is is there a relationship or a chemistry with the guides or can just anybody guide you oh no um it's it takes a lot of trust it doesn't and it doesn't happen overnight and it's not for everyone um it takes a long time uh, to gain that full trust because like they're essentially my eyes so I have to be comfortable that they're going to guide me safely and they also have to be comfortable guiding me safely um so it it's it's a it's a big relationship um, and especially when I get a new guide or a new coach it's all about building that relationship and building trust and comfort and confidence aspect as well because it's not for everyone I mean I've been very lucky I have amazing coaches and guides both on and off the hill I'm very lucky to have all of them but it takes it it's not something that happens overnight it takes time and uh, it takes time and a lot of like relationship building on both the both ends of the relationship so yeah Right. It's not and something it, that you. It's not something that someone can just come out and say, "Hey, let's. I'm going to guide you today. I'm a new <laughs> person. I'm going to guide you today." I'm like, and yeah, no, that that's not how that works. So, right. And when you say team building, is that usually just time on the slope, or are there things y'all could do away from the snow that will help build those um, relationships? Usually, if so, if a new guide or coach joins, it's usually initial like meet we usually meet up um without we usually meet up before training and stuff and have like a whole meeting just to like get to know each other and start building that relationship and then um so that's where the relationship building comes in and then it's slowly like as we get to know each other we slowly add them into the training um slowly add them into the training and we just take it like one day at a time and I I'm all about like open communicating and all of my coaches are all that as well so um it's a lot of like communicating back and forth and we do do activities outside of training especially when a new coach joins just to help build that relationship so Okay, now something I haven't asked, but I need to, just so people understand what we're talking about here. We are talking about downhill snowboard racing in a, in a slalom format where you have to navigate your way around uh, yeah. gates as you go downhill. How fast are you going? <laughs> Very fast when I'm racing. I don't even know. It's super I mean, fast, though. <laughs> do you think it's faster than 30 miles an hour? I mean um possibly (laughs) you think it's faster than 50 i know this is difficult because you probably are used to 
taking in kilometers. Kilometers. But it's faster than 50 miles an hour. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would be about it's 80 very, kilometers per hour. It's very fast, though. It's very, very fast. fast. And while you're going very fast, you have to dodge around obstacles, correct? Yes, dodge around obstacles and listening to my guides and so I know where I'm going. And if I don't listen to them properly, well, then I mean, we're going into a fence in a forest or off a cliff. So it's a lot of concentration during that time. And I'm having to go super fast, especially if it's a race. So training's a little bit slower but still it's a lot of concentration for that as well so right now you've said that to me a couple of times and both times i've heard it i've just thought she's exaggerating but a couple of times a couple of times you have a couple of times you have mentioned the possibility of going off a cliff literally not exaggerating i've literally almost fallen off a cliff a few times and how how steep of cliffs are we talking about um steep very steep (laughs) <laughs> if, if you fell, would you would you survive? I mean, uh, it's I hope I haven't just scared Emily. Um, I haven't scared me. You um, ha- I haven't scared you. Okay, so but there's uh, are I there usually like, ba- are there usually barriers or people watching those parts of the course just in case, or is it all up to you and your guide? Well. When we're racing, there's always people watching um, throughout the courses. I don't know how many people are watching, but I know there are people watching. Um, That's when we're racing. Um, When we're training, um, sometimes people are watching. Um, I mean, there's always people on the hill when we're training. So I'm, if like, if I run into any danger, or if we run into any danger, someone can always help out. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, when I think about when I think about luge or snowboarding, trying to go downhill fast, I'm thinking that generally weight is a big issue. So I'm guessing you aren't really all that protected against injury. Is that correct? Um. Yeah. So. I, we definitely weave um, a lot of injury prevention into my off-hill training, but there's always that chance that I could still get injured. Um, we hope that I don't get injured, but there's always that chance that I could still get injured. So, Okay. Well, then this is a very important part of this episode because I, I have to ask because people ask me all the time. Knowing what you know about this sport, and trust me, people, this ain't the only sport she's involved in that's just crazy, just fruit loops, you know. <laughs> How do you avoid the fear? How do you overcome the fear? Um, in the very beginning, it was really scary. I won't lie. But as I continued practicing and building, like, different experiences and all that the fear goes away um obviously there's still some fear in the back of my mind but um the other piece that really helps is knowing who's guiding me down the hill um 
I'm a lot more comfortable with guys that I've known for a long, like longer periods of time. Um, so there's not much fear when I'm guiding, when they're guiding me. Obviously, if it's a new guide or a coach that's guiding me, the fear kind of comes up a little bit more. But um, we really work as a team um, to help like everyone because obviously my coaches are going to have fears too that if they don't guide me properly then something bad might happen so they're always I'm sure I'm positive they have got some fears and anxiety as well so it's really like a team effort to like work together to work through those fears and work through that discomfort and it's it's been amazing to work with them um yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing is is that you f- you face the fears through the practice, fears. through yeah. practice, repetition, practice, repetition, having a yeah. having a team, yeah. and trusting no. in the people that you're that you're that you're working with. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Um. Now I'm going to mention one of my own thoughts in this area and get you, and see what you think about it. I think that one of the advantages of vision loss is is it forces you to concentrate so much that you really don't have a lot of space left in your head for fear. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's so true. Um, yeah, that's, there's a lot of concentration that happens. So sometimes I, I kind of forget about the fear. I mean, it's always in the back of, it's always in the back there. Like you always think about it, but sometimes I have to concentrate so hard that it's the fear isn't like, that fear is kind of like secondary, so. Yeah. Have you ever been concentrating so hard that somebody come, somebody yells at you and you and you pull a muscle because they surprised you out of your concentration? Um, can't say I've pulled a muscle because someone surprised me, but I've fallen over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's actually that's actually a good segue for me because uh, people are probably wondering why do we call you Team Starfish? <laughs> and again, y'all can find her on Facebook at Team Starfish, and Twitter, uh, and YouTube, and Instagram. She is she is Team Starfish. Um, so tell people where that name comes from and so and what it what it means to you as far as uh, the idea of being a starfish. Yeah, so that's a really good question. And yeah, a lot of people, that's like the first question that they ask me, why Team Starfish? So Team Starfish came about um, because so my main coach on the hill and I have been snowboarding together for a really long time. And he, when we first started snowboarding, he kept seeing me fall um because I was still learning how to snowboard he kept seeing me fall a certain way and he was trying to describe it to me and he couldn't figure out how to describe it to me at first but he said it I every time that I fell it was the exact same it was the exact same I ended up in the exact same position so one day we were snowboarding together and he yelled out starfish and I'm like starfish what do you mean starfish and he's like Every time you fall, you land into a starfish position. Your arms go out and your legs go out like a starfish. So I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then 
that's kind of how the name for the team came about. So it's Team Starfish because I fall like a starfish every time I fall. It doesn't really matter. I could fall backwards on my back. I could fall forwards on my my stomach or I could fall on my side. I always, for whatever reason, I always seem to have the pose of the starfish down. So. Okay. And, uh, you know, we talked a while back about how starfish is really a great, uh, a great metaphor, a great image for somebody who does what you do as a, as an advocation, because I don't right. know what we can call it a profession, but uh, <laughs> because I mean, you know, the starfish, it's, it's resilient, correct? It's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely very resilient and lots of different kinds of starfish too. Okay. And uh, I know that there's also starfish, uh, there's also starfish merchandise and. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we have shirts um, that we've made for Team Starfish. And um, I can get the link for. Yeah. One of the can... things, one of the things I think is cool about your stuff, and, and I, I think it probably comes from the fact that you're used to wearing the orange vests with the fluorescent lettering is for the for you know for y'all is that s several of her shirts are available not just with regular print but with you know fluorescent reflective print so that they will show up at you know, you know at night or in days where the sun is really shining or there's a lot of glare and i i think that's a really cool idea because it kind of fits in with you know what you do because people are probably used to, or starting to, at least to get used to the idea of seeing people you know blind blind uh, athletes having the having the vests so yeah i love our vests um they're super reflective and you like you said you can see them at any time of day morning afternoon night when it's dark out they're super Right, so very thankful for the uh, for are you seeing reflective for helping create the vest that I use for training um, for both on and off the hill. So very thankful for are you seeing reflective and our amazing designer Amy who created the vest. So see there, I'm going to teach you to drop names. You know, we're going to work <laughs> on that for you. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get that down we're gonna we're gonna get you to nascar level before we're through girl um so but, but uh you know yeah so um i mentioned to y'all earlier which by the way in addition to finding the this my podcast what's your excuse at the blindblogger.net you can also tell alexa google or siri to play what's your excuse and the reason i mentioned that is because i want to make sure i mentioned my sponsor uh, Chip Edwards at createmyvoice.com, who is responsible for getting my podcast out there where people can find it on the on the uh, the speaker devices and the wearables. And uh, the most important thing I learned from Chip is if you don't claim your invocation name, the words they use to ask for you, somebody else can. And once they do it, you can't get them back. So if you haven't already started a branding, a voice branding strategy, then you definitely need to reach out to Chip at createmyvoice.com. Um, you can also find him by asking Alexa and Google to take you to Create My Voice. And I advise you to use his contact form and schedule a talk with him soon. So um, we talked about your snowboarding and how crazy that is. But, 
You know, you're that's not the only sport you're involved in. You're also into kayaking and stand up paddleboarding. And um, if I remember correctly, recently y'all were paddleboarding, and your coach that you were paddleboarding with said that y'all were within throwing distance of a young orca. Yeah, it was a potential baby orca that we were potentially close to. We weren't 100% sure if that's what it is, but we're just going to say it's a baby orca because um, it was splashing and it didn't sound like a seal or anything, but it was weird sounds coming from the water. So uh, definitely wasn't a seal or a sea lion or a human. We thought it actually was a human at first, but uh, we don't, we're not sure it's a human. And there was also like a really weird smell in that same area, which apparently if you're around orcas, sometimes they have a weird smell. So we're just going to say it was a baby, potential baby orca sighting. So. All right. The next time I, the next time you get to ask this question, don't, don't, don't ruin the story. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't step on the story the next time, the next time I'm somebody sorry. asks you about it. No, don't worry. I'm just. I'm having fun with you. Don't worry about it. But but how do you, but but how does paddleboarding? How does it? Because as I understand it, you're doing that for fun. Um, how does that fit into everything else you're doing, or does it? Oh, it actually totally fits in. So paddle stand up paddleboarding. I'm using it as a cross training sport for snowboarding. Um, so in the wintertime, I obviously snowboard, but I need something to do in the summertime. So I started stand up paddleboarding five years ago. And initially, it was just a tryout, stand-up paddleboarding. And then we discovered very quickly that it's actually a really good cross-training sport for snowboarding. Um, it uses a lot of the same muscles, the legs and the core. And it's also really good for balance because you need good balance for snowboarding. Because if you don't have good balance for snowboarding, you are going to be falling down like millions of times. And that's not going to be good especially if you're wanting to be a snowboard racer. So really good for balancing. It's also really good uh, endurance training. Um, uh, it's good for cardio. It's just good for a lot of things. And so it works really well for snowboarding. So, and it gives me something to do in the summer months when I can't go snowboarding. So. Yeah. How long does a snowboard race last and how much energy do you expend during a race? Do you figure um, so the race itself is only a few minutes, um, and usually you get to go down three, up to three times for each race, um, and during that time, it is a lot of concentration and a lot of energy being used and a lot of muscle, muscles that are being used, so... Usually by the time I've done three laps down the race course, I'm pretty much exhausted because I've used so much energy and so much concentration and having to be in that race zone. And even though it's a short period of time, it is a lot of work. Well, I so recently, I, I recently somebody told me that, I know this is totally different sport, but they told me that, <laughs> A figure skater will expend as much energy in a five-minute uh, program as a professional hockey or amateur hockey player will expend during an entire period. That's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's a lot of work, and and, and it's, even though the races are short, 
it's a lot of preparation, a lot of work to be ready to race. So, okay. And addition- I'm usually exhausted after, and I'm usually, I usually sleep for a good 24 hours after a race. <laughs> Okay. So I always hope that races are on Saturday, so I have all day Sunday to, like, sleep. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, now, I know one of the goals of your that you have for yourself and the sport is to have the uh, event added to the Paralympic Winter Games at the next yes. time they have an Olympics. So, first, explain to me how what, what Paralympics really is, and then tell me why it is that your sport isn't included, if you know. Um, so the Paralympics, they're like the Olympics, but they're the Paralympics. Um, <laughs> um, snowboarding, para snowboarding only started in the Paralympics in 2014. Um, so it is a very new sport for the Paralympics, and it's still very much in its developmental, like development stage. Um, at the beginning, when they first started in 2014. They only had a select few classifications that were allowed to participate in the Paralympics. Um, they were kind of using that for like a test. I guess you could call it like a test sport for the 2014, but it was it was still a sport in the Paralympics, but um, it was just very limited on who could participate then. So, um, so um, that was in 2014. In at the next Paralympics, four years after 2014, they added more classifications to the para snowboarding sport and more athletes. Um, but still, my category, the blind para snowboarding category, was still not in the Paralympics. So, um, I really want to help develop that so it can go into the Paralympics. Um, the category itself is developing. Uh, the big thing is finding more athletes to participate in the sport. Um, that's kind of one of the big things that is holding it back at this point. Um, and um, I know they're out there um, because about a year or so ago, I found a whole bunch of blind snowboarders in the United Kingdom who are have been actually looking for uh, Canadian blind snowboarders so that we could um, help grow the sport and show the uh, Paralympic Committee that there were more snowboarders out in the world. So it was a really cool find, and I'm very excited that we found them and were able to connect. So that's kind of like a big thing for the Paralympic Committee is there's just not many blind snowboarders in that, that there's just not very many blind snowboarders. But so I'm kind of on a mission and the people in the United Kingdom are on a mission to find more of us and so that we can show the Paralympic Committee that we definitely have lots of people very interested. So uh, I also found out there's a bunch of blind snowboarders in the United States that I'm trying to uh, connect with as well. So, Well, hopefully after this goes live, we can uh, 
help, help some of them find you as opposed to you having to do all the work to track them down. So <laughs> it's a lot of work, but <laughs> it is difficult. I it's have exciting been, though. It's very exciting that I found them. <laughs> yeah, I have been frustrated myself about the about how difficult it seems to be to connect with other blind people or other people with disabilities yeah. in general. So uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I don't understand why that is. It seems like there are thousands of uh, associations yeah. and nonprofit groups and, and hundreds of social media pages, but it just seems like for some reason we don't find each other, and I don't know why, why that is. <laughs> so weird, right? I don't know why either. <laughs> They're all welcome at the What's Your Excuse group. So we'll we'll try to help you find some more snowboarders so the sport awesome. can go from a test sport to a full-on sport. And uh, I know they're out there, but they have right. to just be discovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we need a, maybe we need a America's got talent for blind snowboarders. We'll, we'll start our own, we'll start our own YouTube, uh, our own YouTube reality show and we'll find, we'll find the next blind Paralympians. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> All right, I have. I just have two more things I want to cover. First, I want to talk a little bit about um, about your your well, three things. Uh, first, what do your parents think about all of this stuff now? Because you don't, you haven't stopped at just snowboarding. You're continuing to go after, you know, fairly uh, physically intense and somewhat dangerous activities. So, where are your parents <laughs> at all of this? They are very excited and very proud of me for how much I've accomplished. Um. Uh, yeah, they're very excited and very proud of how much I've accomplished. Um, I could tell when I first started snowboarding, they were super scared and they were like, oh my goodness, our little girl is going to start snowboarding. What's going to happen next? But um, yeah, they're very excited and they're, they're very proud of me and they are always wanting to support me. So it's, it's amazing having that support and those cheerleaders so I my family has been very supportive and very helpful so and they're very excited and they always get super excited when something big happens that's exciting for me they always they're always super excited so okay and then you know we uh I I kind of mentioned her in the introduction so um what is it what is it like to live with and be guided by a guide dog and and tell us a little bit about darling herself yeah so darling she is my second guide dog um and she is a golden retriever mixed with a yellow lab um she's only about quarter golden and the rest yellow lab because her mom was only quarter golden um and she is my second dog from Guide Dogs for the Blind, which is located in San Rafael, California. Um, that's one of where one of their campuses are. Um, and I've had her for three years. She is four years old now. And my first guide that I had um, is happily retired and living with my mom and stepdad now. Her name is Olivia, and she is a purebred yellow lab, and she guided me for nine years, and same school, same campus school, um, but having a guide dog has been, uh, 
it's been amazing. It's been life changing. Um, it has really helped me uh, be even more confident and getting out in my community. Um, my family in the very beginning, when I told them that I wanted to get a guide dog, um, they kind of questioned me why I was getting a guide dog. I'm like, I, uh, I would feel more like safer having a guide dog when I'm out and about. Um, and because at the time when I was getting my first guide dog, I was starting to notice my vision photo decreasing a little bit. So I was starting to feel not as confident traveling around my community. So I was trying to figure out ways to help me feel more comfortable and confident because I'm a pretty active person. So I don't really like sitting at home. I like to be out and about in my community. So um, a bunch of my friends had guide dogs. So I had been talking with them for a while about what it's like to have a guide dog and how they've change their life so I thought it would be a really good I thought it would be really good to have a guide dog in my life and got my first guide dog Olivia and suddenly I had a whole bunch of new confidence and comfort traveling around in my community um it didn't happen at the very beginning because we were like working on becoming a solid team but I could already tell from like the very start that this was going to be super helpful for me and once my family saw um, me and Olivia traveling around the community they totally agreed with me that it was life-changing and it really helped build my confidence and independence being out in the community more so it's I love it. I would never, I don't think I'd ever want to be a full-time white cane user again. <laughs> Obviously, if I have to be a white cane, like if I have to use a white cane, I will. I still have all the skills of using my white cane. So, but I honestly love having a guide dog by my side. Um, they're a great companion. Um, been very lucky both of my guide dogs have been excellent workers darling is an amazing worker um she loves going on adventures um uh she loves being active which is great because i i i lead a very active lifestyle and so she really loves it um and then just having her by my side makes me feel safer and makes my family and friends feel safer when i'm out and about um so yeah, it's been, it's just been amazing. Right. One of the things that uh, I have been learning about dogs, because I've been considering one myself, is that they not only match the dogs to the potential uh, owner yeah. as far as physically, but they also do their best to match them in temperament. So yeah, for they sure. would give me a dog like Darling because Darling would be frustrated <laughs> with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do work with the client and the to figure out what type of dog would best work for you so yeah for yeah. sure and, and does 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 darling do well when you're competing 
She does. Um, she loves snow, so she's either playing in the snow with whoever's watching her, or she's curled up uh, at a on closer to a fireplace or in her kennel, in her travel kennel. Um, yeah, but yeah, she loves it. Um, I think a few times when I've been competing, she's wanted to be like on the race course with me, <laughs> but. <laughs> But obviously, she can't go on the race course, so but she always gets super excited when she sees me racing, and when I get close enough, she'll run up to me and want to kiss me and play, and gets she's so excited. She loves it there. And everyone who's met her at the mountains, they love her too, so. Well, that's very good. Okay, so I just there's just one last thing I, that we need to talk about, and that actually I'm look, very much looking forward to talking about is, um, you know, we by now have officially announced that uh, Emily's podcast, which will be the first homegrown, you know, brand new podcast on the Witcher Excuse Network, will have gone live by the time y'all see this. So why don't you talk to people a little bit about what it's like, the idea of starting a podcast and then where you what the name is and what you came up with the name yes yeah, so um the name of my new podcast is called shredding for gold um shredding for not the number four but f-o-r uh so it's shredding for gold um and i came up with that name it took a long time to figure out a name for a podcast i realized how hard that was gonna be so <laughs> there were many nights where I was pulling my hair up so I'm like I have so many ideas for my podcast name and I don't know which one to choose and then one night I was like okay I'm going to sit here and I'm going to choose a name and I'm not standing until I choose a name and it's just gonna have to stick so <laughs> that's how I came up with treading for gold so shredding is actually a snowboarding term and actually a surfing term and a skateboarding term. That means, let me just make sure I have it properly. It means, while she's um, looking at, while you're looking for that, I will also mention that I have heard shredding or shredded it used generically for anything that you've done well. Yes. So shredding is snowboard slang word, and it means to do snowboarding to your fullest potential on difficult or challenging terrain. So that's what shredding means. Um, and so when I'm snowboarding, actually, um, a lot of my coaches refer to me as like shredding down the hill or let's shred up the hill. So I'm like, this would be a fun name to add for the podcast because it's, it's very relevant. So and it has um, a lot of different meanings. So that's, that was the thing that sold me when you when you when you yeah. finally told me what it was going to be. You know that was that was the thing that sold me because it has so much so many nuances to it. It does, yeah. Um, so the podcast itself um, initially is going to um, I'm going to talk about my personal adventures um, and how I got into uh snowboarding and my goals for snowboarding which is obviously getting to the Paralympics and getting the sport to the Paralympics 
Um, but it's also the podcast is also going to be used to network with other blind snowboarders and other snowboarders also out there across the world just to like gain like to hear their experiences and what they're doing for uh, their goals for snowboarding and some of like their challenges that they face as they are as they are like working on their goals because I mean there are always going to be challenges and I've had my own set of challenges as I'm continuing to work towards the Paralympics so I want to kind of like be able to show I want to kind of learn more about what their experiences are and what challenges they've got across um we're also going to be chatting with a bunch of my coaches initially and then as we network with more snowboarders I want to be able to chat with their coaches as well and I also want to talk um to a bunch of the organizations that have helped me and help have helped other snowboarders as well so it's very exciting um it's very new for me but it's also very exciting I'm very excited about it um I think it's really gonna help um the I think it's really gonna help the sport and I think it's it's gonna be a really big thing I'm very excited about it <laughs> yeah I'm glad she's very excited about it I'm very nervous about it so it's a good balance. I didn't say I wasn't nervous I'm very excited but I'm also nervous <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's an interesting process. I first, you know, first I have, you know, I have to mention Alex Sanfilippo at uh, creatingabrand.com because last year when I was deciding on what I was going to pitch the Holman Prize people as far as something crazy I could do that would benefit others, this is what we came up with. And uh, unfortunately, the people at, at the Holman Prize Committee decided that um, other other suggestions were either more adventurous or more or more worthy of their investment. So that's cool. Um, I understand that they didn't uh, decide to choose um, your pitch either. So, no. so, you, so, Not you know, so far, but they didn't end up deciding. They ended up um, deciding not to send me to the final. So that's okay. That's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. But see, but you know, Alex gave me the idea. He said, Max, this will, pretty much feed off of everything that you've done and had to learn how to do as a podcaster, as a promoter, and the way you find creative solutions would be very helpful to others. So that, but, but I'm, but I honestly didn't think that I would find somebody this quickly (laughs) who would be willing to go on this crazy adventure with me. And really, I didn't think I'd find somebody that's this ideal. I mean, you have a great story, you already have some sponsors. You already have a lot of video and photo content out in the world. I mean, you've done a lot of hard work that usually people would, wouldn't start doing until after they launch their podcast. So, I mean, uh, you are, I have a good friend. Her name is Adrian Smith, and I refer to her as my blogging mama because she taught me so much back when I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, and she talks about, you know, the law of attraction, she says some people think of it as prayer or meditation instead of uh, instead of law of attraction. But she talks about how when you decide who or what it is you really want in your life, those things that people show up. So, I mean, I really, you know, when I think about having my first podcaster, it's, it doesn't get a lot better than a blind snowboarder, you know. 
So I'm kind of glad Holman said no to both of us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. That was where I was going five minutes ago when I started that thread. So true. Yeah, so true. If they had said yes to either one of us, we probably wouldn't be meeting today. <laughs> Who knows what would happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So now we have the this goal of, uh, of raising the profile of the sport. Yes. Um, and finding some sponsors for Team Starfish because uh, the equipment is expensive. Snowboards nice. and helmets and two-way radios and all that stuff yeah. costs money. So, you know, and finding some – and also maybe finding some sponsors for the sport or for other snowboarders along with you. So we're just – Yeah, So, so to grow Team Starfish and to grow the, the sport as a, part, as a part of this podcast and the, the WYE Network uh, – yeah, when I think about it that way, it's exciting. But, you know, five minutes after I press stop on this video, it's going to be scary again. <laughs> and, and people, you know, they people say, like, Max, we don't ever see you scared. So, uh, but this is this is different. Uh, this is, you know, I'm, I, I feel like uh, I feel re- really responsible for you and the success of your show. And that's the way it should be. But we're going to do this together, right? It's so true. It's a team effort. A team effort. Yeah, I'm just the latest in a line of dozens that are part of Team Starfish. It's so true. There's so many a part of Team Starfish. Team Starfish, my best team. No, that's not good. When the host host distracts you or makes you laugh to the point you mess up your own name, that's not good. (laughs) Okay, so so in all the years that you, you know – snowboarding and skiing and paddleboarding, all this stuff that you do. What is the one thing that you could share with my listeners and and viewers that would help them do whatever it is they've been thinking about and talking about doing? Let's break down some excuses today. Well, you can go with, you can go with more than one. I'm not, I'm not a strict timekeeper on this show. Right. Um, What's the one thing I could say? I would say just get out there and do it. Um, It doesn't matter, even though it might be scary, it might be nerve-wracking, it might be exciting, it might be happy. Who cares what it is? Just if you want to do something, get out there and just do it. Um, There's going to be barriers uh, that you might have to, you might have to work through, but honestly... If you really want to do something and just get out there and start doing it, um, yeah, that would be my one thing I would say. Well, it doesn't get a lot better than that, which is why, you know, Nike has trademarked the short version. Uh, <laughs> but, it, it, but I have found it does seem to make more of an impact when it comes from people like me and you. You know, people... They, people that want to do stuff indoors, like blogs and podcasts, when they see me doing it, it, uh, it, it has an effect. And I, and I imagine that people who have experienced your racing or have been yeah. part of your, your activities, they, they are affected more deeply because it's you. Yeah, they're, yeah, definitely. Um, people are always asking me, how do you do what you do? I'm like, I just do it. <laughs> I just get uh, out there and just I I if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm gonna be like, 
okay, I'm going to have to prove you wrong. I can do this. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to ask you one of my least favorite questions. I recently came up with an answer to this one. Hosts mm -hmm. like to ask me, Max, is there anything that truly scares you? And I have <laughs> finally come up with the answer of, I, I'm, I'm personally scared that someday people are going to get tired of listening to my stories. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a, well, you know, I'm a, I am a storyteller at heart and I'm a really good one, but that is the one thing that scares me. Is there, is there anything that scares Emily? Um, big thing. And it probably I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't even have to make sense. It's just, is there something that scares Emily? Um, Falling off cliffs scare Emily. <laughs> um, but she does it anyway. Getting okay. eaten by sharks scares me. Do what? What was that last one? Getting eaten by sharks scares me. <laughs> okay. Um, quiet yeah. scares me. Really? I don't like. Uh, yeah, I don't like. Um, I don't like quiet. I always have to have some sort of noise or be able to like hear some sort of noise because otherwise if I don't hear noise it, it makes me a little anxious um, okay. yeah. I appreciate you sharing that I, yeah, I hope that, no that helps somebody so that's and that's my goal is that I want people to you know to 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 experience you know you and what you what you've gone through and, and how you've yeah. managed to, to do these things in hopes that it will remove some of their excuses so I I want to thank you so much for coming on my show, Emily, for uh, being part of my community, having your show on the, on the network, and uh, uh, really just, uh, just having you in my community and seeing where we're going to take this. I really appreciate so much from you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be working with you and being a part of the What's Your Excuse Network. So excited. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you getting the name in there. For anybody who's interested, it's wyexcuse.com, <laughs> and that's where you will be able to find uh, all the podcasts. And we will have a few shows from friends that are going to be syndicated, but the goal is to help more people like Emily launch brand new shows so they can tell their stories, so they can draw attention to uh, whatever their their goals or uh, whatever their uh, their whatever they're trying to whatever they're trying to draw attention to. So if they have a movement, you know, we want to help people uh, grow their podcasts as well as help others uh, grow shows that are already out there. So hopefully, uh, a year from now, we will we will have more than just me and Emily and some syndication. <laughs> um. um you know, hopefully that will be the case. I, I think I told you recently that I've always felt like it was more likely I would make somebody else famous than become famous myself. So I'm really hoping that you are the first, you know, like big time Joe Rogan kind of kind of big time podcaster that we can say came from <laughs> wyexcuse.com. Oh, my goodness. That would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> See well, what happens. So. So now at the end of this show here, I just want y'all to remember if Emily can do it, if I can do it, then what's your excuse? Yeah. Okay. All right.
Okay. Well, we had another great conversation with my new friend and podcast host, Emily Trepanier and her sidekick, Darling. And I am looking so forward to having her on the network. And again, y'all can go to Team Starfish at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. Um, she's already had a lot of great content out there. So this is the point where I usually refer back to what we talked about. And so it starts with uh, the fact that her family was very supportive and encouraging and wanted her to participate in a variety of activities. Uh, basically, whatever she was interested in, they were totally fine with her trying. So having that as a beginning is very important. And hopefully more young people are growing up with that attitude that are exposed to people who are positive and upbeat and willing to try new things. Uh, the second thing she talked about fear, having uh, not, not having fear most of the time because of practice, repetition, trust in her training, and trust in her coaches. So for those of you who have thought about looking for a coach or a mentor, whether you're you know, speeding down a, a hill, trying to dodge barriers, or whether you're just wanting to start a blog or write your first book, uh, it's definitely important that you have a coach or a mentor you can trust. And hopefully, if you haven't already started looking, you will start looking today. So that was a very important part of it. Also, that it's a team approach. And that's something I know y'all know I believe in because I have a very large community of people, both online and in person, many of whom have not only supported me and encouraged me, but have provided services and uh, been able to help me do things that I wouldn't have been able to do without their help. So it is a team approach, not only at Team Starfish, but also here at What's Your Excuse? And, of course, her last comments were just get out there and do something. And I'm really glad she didn't use the short firm or who knows the way things are now. Nike might have sent me a letter asking for some money. But it is true that often the things that we have to do are things we know we need to do. It's just difficult to get started. And so while we didn't get to talk about it, I know a lot of people I have talked to say it's all about finding small ways to get started and decreasing the pressure on yourself as much as possible in the beginning. Uh, I've also heard it referred to as decreasing the barrier to entry. Uh, I didn't get, you know, we talked about how snowboarding at her level is an expensive activity, and she's actually seeking sponsors. She has some small sponsors, but she's looking for more and for people who can help with some of the more expensive equipment. But when you start something brand new, you know, there's nothing wrong, and it actually makes it less stressful if you start with used equipment, things you've borrowed. Uh, I think in one of my books I've mentioned that I'm still riding a stationary bike my uncle gave me. And even though I never learned how to play that guitar, the first guitar I tried to learn on cost me $50. So decrease those barriers to entry, make it easy on you, lower the stress. But as Emily said, just go out there and start doing it. All right. I hope y'all have enjoyed the podcast, the video or the audio. I know that y'all have many uses and demands on your time, so I appreciate the fact that you decided to spend some of your time with me and Emily. Uh, very hopeful y'all are going to support Team Starfish and the Shredding for Gold podcast on the What's Your Excuse Network. 
I do hope you visit blubbery, excuse me, blueberry.com and uh, createmyvoice.com so that you'll support the sponsors that are making it possible for me to have this show. And if you have a company that's been considering sponsoring or you think, hey, uh, having people hear about your brand on my podcast would be a good thing, then reach out to me. Uh, I hope that y'all will do something, take some action in your lives, because as I often say, inspiration without action without action is meaningless. Uh, and I always love to hear what, if anything, I've inspired you to do. So until next time, take care of yourself, stay safe out there. This is 20, this is August 2021. So please wear your mask, get your vaccines, wash your hands, and uh, be careful who it is you associate with until. This is all behind us. And until next time, take care now. Too many times we stand aside and let the water slip away to what we put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide.